Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and welcome back to another Housing Matters podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine, the Deputy Chief Economist here at CAR, and I'm joined by the fantastic Oscar Way. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, let's do another podcast. I know we, uh, we need to continue to give updates because uh, it's still a very, very challenging time right now, but we have a lot of good information, new information, I should say, yeah, um, to definitely. provide. Definitely. There's been, you know, every two weeks, it seems like uh, is, is a lifetime's worth of new information. So let's start with an update just on the, on the COVID virus, because I think that, uh, you know, the, the numbers are getting pretty high, but there's also some kind of light at the end of the tunnel, at least from a California perspective. Absolutely. And it really, the projection really determines, you know, how things are panning out, you know, both at the economic level as well as the market level. So let me throw out some numbers. Now, as far as new cases are concerned, in the U.S., we actually have surpassed 900,000 new uh, cases, total cases. That's a lot of cases. And obviously, um, there are some um, um, bad news on death toll. It actually passed 50,000. That's a very significant number. Um, And uh, in California, uh, for our state, we have been doing a little bit better job compared to some of the other states. Right. But uh, still, we have uh, nearly 40,000 cases, and our number of death toll actually passed uh, 1,500. Wow. And and still getting a decent number of new cases, almost 2,000 new cases um, just yesterday, which, and we're recording this on the 24th of April. So um, still, still getting some new cases, but that number's actually been... Uh, been going down, I think, a little bit. And so, um, you know, when you look at the the curves and we've pulled out every two weeks, the updated projections that California really has done a pretty good job of, of um, you know, flattening the curve. And it looks like, you know, this is more evidence that the, the idea that going hard early um, really does work, right? Because Hong Kong kind of had that same uh, right. experience, and and it seems like California now has has been the projections have come down pretty dramatically. Yeah, I think our peak might have passed. You know, if, depending on what model you look at, but uh, many models suggest that we might have pa- passed our peak number of cases, and we might be slowing down um, in terms of number of new cases added to you know the um, the, the the next few weeks or so. But that doesn't necessarily mean we have to relax on social distancing. I will right. remind everyone that uh, we still need to make sure that we uh, continue those measures and discipline to make sure we uh, keep the uh, coronavirus pandemic under control. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, normal going forward isn't going to be the old normal. I think that we will start to see um, an unclamping on the on the economy at a slow pace, right, with uh, next, you know, layers of, of essentialness, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, yeah. uh, increasing. But, uh, but, you know, that the, the normal is going to look a lot different going forward than it has in in the past. But I do think that, uh, you know, some light at the end of the tunnel, not not uh, not to be underplayed. So, and the other Absolutely. good news, I guess, is that Congress stepped up to the plate with some more relief funding, right? Those programs were immensely popular and ran out of money um, almost immediately. And it looks like they um, are, are ready to move forward with more. 
Yeah, Senate passed the um, the 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 new relief or interim uh, relief bill bill on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, House uh, the uh, House follow up and yep. passed their vote as well. And I believe today uh, President Trump signed the the relief uh, bill. And the um, bill uh, actually is uh, close to uh, $500 billion. Yeah. Uh, again, it's the interim um, coronavirus bill. And um, you know, some of the money is actually being allocated to um, the, as you said, you know, the, the popular program, the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. Right. This, we did run out of fund was, yes, uh, last week. Yep. Yeah. I think it lasted for about a week and a half or so. Um, so 310 billion for that is, is more uh, big dollars. And those are these kind of uh, forgivable, potentially business loan, uh, small business loans right. that, that people can use to continue to fund payroll. And I think that's the prerequisite for them um, actually being forgivable is that they're used for, for that purpose of maintaining the payroll. Right, and also uh, they set aside you know about sixty billion on the uh, economic injury disaster loan, the EIDL program. Yep. Um, and also they have, I know previously they may not have as much money uh, to set aside for community banks and credit unions. Right. And um, you know those are those are institutes that may have may not have a um, relationship with um, larger banks. So you know they are they are considering those and actually set aside some money on those. Um, and in addition. They also, you know, put some money in for uh, coronavirus testing yep. and uh, uh, for hospital. Right. And so that was almost uh, another hundred billion of the of the funds when you put all that together. And so, um, yeah, they're they're definitely taking it seriously at the at the federal government level. And so this is, uh, you know the second or the third round, depending on when, when you started right. counting and, and there are signs that, uh, you know, yes, this is going to have obviously impacts on our debt and deficit, but, uh, but at least over the short term is, is hopefully helping to prop up uh, labor market and, and small business. Right. And there is rumor or, you know, uh, news from, you know, the Congress saying that there might be another round, uh, what, uh, covert four or whatever, yeah, covert relief like four. That. Um, when exactly that's going to happen, who knows, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and I think that that all comes to to kind of the next topic is when you start to talk about the macroeconomic effects that we've seen start to, to roll in, right? Because unemployment uh, insurance claims came in and we're now at basically 26 and a half million claims, uh, folks that have actually filed unemployment in the last five weeks. And and that is is you know unprecedented in terms of its overall size and and scale of you know relative to past downturns obviously but uh it it also is you know probably pushing us past where we were even during the financial crisis of 2008-2010 right yeah i think um you mentioned it before and i'll reiterate um as far as you know what we have amassed in the last four or five weeks um, it's already like 26 and a half million, a billion, a million as you mentioned. Um, last recessions, we have a total in two years, we have a total of what, 37 million, right? Right, yeah, between the start of 2008 and basically when they peaked in, in mid to late 2009, we only had 37 million. So we're already basically two thirds of the way um, through what we saw during the entire financial crisis of, of 2008. Probably means that we're somewhere in the double digits nationwide from an unemployment standpoint, right? Um, which again, we, we actually peaked out at about 10 and a half percent nationwide. 
um, during the, the previous downturn. So very serious, obviously, and, and why we think that, you know, there's going to be negative impacts to the housing market, obviously. Um, you know, these are, are, you know, the where the rubber meets the road from a housing market standpoint, right, is, is when folks uh, actually aren't uh, working and earning that income. Yeah, and I mean, if I know, you know, when we we economists like to look at unemployment insurance claims and things like that, you know, but a lot of people look at the uh, unemployment rate and just keep in mind, at the beginning of the year, we had um, 4% below 4% unemployment right. rate. But if you look at, you know, how many unemployment insurance claims we have already received, um, and, you know, if you compare that to the labor force number, that is roughly about, you know, 15, 20% right. of people who, who lost their jobs. So, I mean, I'm not saying that everyone who filed unemployment claim will have long-term, you know, will be you know, part yeah. of the statistics of unemployment rate. But, you know, those, uh, that is still a very staggering number. Telling. Right? Yeah, very, very. So, um, so that's the reason why, you know, Congress has to put numbers in and have to put the... Um, you know, continue to put, um, you know, more money into the system so that we right. can continue to flow. Definitely. And, uh, you know, on a, on an up note, I guess, potentially, well, a, you know, number one, those, those unemployment insurance claims are rising, but they actually rose at a slower clip right. for the last three weeks in a row. So we don't want to get overly um, helpful. We're still talking about the biggest chunk of unemployment that we've seen in the shortest amount of time, basically, um, ever. But, you know, when, when you look at the, uh, the numbers for growth, they're growing by a smaller clip. The other thing is, and I know nationwide mortgage applications actually, um, you know, went down when you look at, at purchase and refis. Right. But here in California, we actually saw um, some flattening over the last two weeks. And that kind of matches some of the stuff that we're seeing in the MLS data too. Now, not huge, as you said, you know, flattening <laughs> two, 3%, but hey, it's better than a negative number. I mean, of course, we're looking at a week-to-week -week comparison. If right. you compare it to previous year, uh, we have dropped quite a bit, obviously. Yeah. We're, so, you know, and one of the things I think one of the trends that we're seeing emerge in, in all of the data is, is you know, that there was uh, substantial impacts that happened, you know, almost immediately as shelter-in-place orders were given out with, you know, new listings and unemployment, obviously, and other things um, shooting up at, by, by significant amounts. Um, but what we've seen is that that most of those indicators have also found some, um, you know, little bit of, of stability, or at least we've seen a significant deceleration over the last two weeks or so. Absolutely. And of course, when we, the numbers that we have been focusing on, those are um, purchase applications as far as mortgage applications are concerned. There are some right. people who are still refinancing. But uh, as far as, you know, purchase applications is concerned, it's uh, dropped quite a bit. But uh, we're seeing some encouraging signs, uh, but still, uh, it might be a little too early to tell. Uh, yeah, and I think that, you know, definitely don't want to over-celebrate that. It's, it's good to look for those signs of hope. But I think, you know, we just did our, our monthly numbers for the housing market in California. And overall, you know, home sales are still down. And I think closed sales are going to be the last thing um, to, to turn around, right? Because we, we have to see those labor markets stabilize. Um, we've got to see the, the listings and the pending stabilize for a longer period of time before we can even think about finding that bottom um, for closed sales. And that's why even though, you know, we did see the number drop a little bit, um, it's probably the, the tip of the iceberg in terms <laughs> of, you know, I think the 6.1% negative that we saw 
is, is obviously being bolstered. And we know this by looking at the daily data by the first half of March, right? We were still kind of um, closing deals through that first half of the month before the shelter in place. Yeah, many of these um, drops or decline in sales uh, that we saw in March, they're basically, you know, due to probably delay in closings, not necessarily right. um, because of the shelter in place of not people not going out to check check out houses. So, you know, April and May, we have to buckle up and make sure that, you know, we understand it is going to be a much more significant drop. Right. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing, you know, just when you look at the pending and things like that, the, the month to month declines, we're going to see, you know, more uh, double digit losses that are even bigger than than the one that we saw in March. Because again, really, we started seeing those pendings going down early in the shelter in place. And, and that's not going to show up at least until the April and probably likely to bleed through into the May numbers. And so, um, you know, again, looking for uh, a period of, of significant belt tightening in in the market. And to, just to point out yeah, one thing that uh, that happened in March, of course, uh, we know that in the Bay Area, the Bay Area actually yeah. got hit a little f- uh, faster, a little sooner because the Bay Area is roughly about, what, four or five days or maybe a week uh, in terms of the shelter in place or stay at home right. order being implemented. They closed a little earlier. So their impact on the Bay Area uh, seemed to be a little bit bigger um, they actually dropped in, in terms of sales a little bit bigger than Central Coast and then Central Valley and, of yep. course, uh, Southern California as well. Definitely. And I think part of that also is just the the segment analysis, right? Because it does seem like right. the top end of the market is being impacted a little bit more than, That's right. than the very bottom end. And so I think that that also, you know, plays into a, a bigger negative in the Bay Area. It's interesting when we did the press release and we saw month to month gains, you know, it's like, how is it possible? But I think the <laughs> the key to point out is that these are not seasonally adjusted numbers at the regional level. And so typically in March, we see sales ramping up um, by even more than that, right? This is really when um, sales and listings start to get going for the the spring home buying season. And so even though on an unadjusted basis, they were up on a month to month in certain regions, they're usually up by, by much more than what we observed. And so once you actually take those seasonal factors away, um, we, we still see it even at the regional level. Yeah. What about prices though? I mean, are we seeing some um, uh, drawback in, in prices so far? Well, it's, it's interesting that, that prices haven't moved a lot. And, and you know, in, in the overall month of March, we saw both a, a monthly and a year over year increase. So prices were still um, rising. And, and we even see this still in, in the weekly data, not that prices are going up, but that we haven't seen big price impacts, right? On a per square foot basis, right. there has been some um, modest decline, but but we haven't seen the the kind of huge swings in price that maybe some folks expect. When we do our survey research, we see that the attitude of buyers is that prices should be uh, coming down, right? But but on the sell side, we're just seeing I think more the the prevalence of like sellers just taking the listing down or not putting their listing up quite yet and holding off a bit before they um, list the property, and so you know, there's, there's been fewer buyers out there, but there's also been a lot fewer sellers. True. So from a, a net inventory standpoint, you know, we don't have all this um, inventory sloshing around the system. It's still a very tight market. For and, the buyers you know, you're right. You know, very tight market is a, the right uh, word. Um, and, but I also think, you know, sellers, they probably don't think 
it's different from you know ten years ago, twelve years ago when right. we had our the Great Recession. Sellers probably don't think you know. Okay, well, one month of shutdown, two months of shutdown. I'll just take my property off for now. I'm not going to you know reduce my price right now. If three or four, five months down the road, we're still not selling, then we'll consider it. Right. So some probably are still holding tight. I totally agree. And I think that sellers just aren't there yet. It's not to say that we aren't expecting um, prices to to soften. I think it's it's reasonable to expect that they that they will. But I think it's important to to kind of differentiate that from the, the 2008 type of price slashing that we saw when we were in the midst of of a big financial crisis. I think the mentality of sellers is that like, as you pointed out, we're still viewing this as, as potentially a temporary phenomenon. And so, um, you know, they're not looking to make, you know, six figure concessions at this point in time. True. And one more thing that I want to point out is this is different from last time, because this time you're not going to see uh, a lot of uh, homeowners throwing their keys back to the banks, to the lenders, because I think uh, as far as home equity is concerned, as far as people over leveraging is concerned, I think it's not the same level as what we saw 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. And I mean, the whole mortgage finance situation throughout this whole uh, expansion has been completely different. We don't have all those ninja loans and, and all of that stuff. We don't have a lot of people in option arms. Rates have been so low that most people are in a fixed rate mortgage this time. Um, they've documented their income. If anything, mortgage credit's been too tight um, this time around and not enough people have been able to get in. So we don't have that kind of ticking time bomb element on top of this negative economic shock. The shock is there for sure, but the, you know, the underlying fundamentals are, are in pretty decent shape. True. True. Now, um, let's take a look at, um, I know we, you mentioned, you know, that we have been looking at some daily, some weekly data. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, of course, obviously we don't have uh, all the, we don't have an April sales uh, uh, release out yet, but uh, maybe we can take a look at some of the weekly stuff and maybe yeah, just give definitely. us a preview. Sure. And I think that uh, the pending, you know, is, is always the best indicator of what's going to be closing in, in a month's time. And what you could see is that in, you know, mid, um, March, the once the shelter in place went in, the pendings fell off pretty significantly. So we were yeah. down, you know, depending on where you look, um, by 50, 40, 50, uh, 60 percent in terms of, of pending sales. And so, again, we should, you know, probably expect more double digit declines right, for okay. these April closings and into May, obviously, as well. But you know, the other thing that we've seen is over the last two to three weeks that we've either seen a, a marked deceleration mm, in the decline yeah. of pending. So they're still down, you know, 40 to 60% from where they were at the beginning of March, but they're not continuing to drop. So in the Bay Area and the Central Valley, we actually saw um, pending sales, you know, increase over the last week or two. Not okay. by much. It's been a, a very negligible amount. But for me, it's important to see that they're not going down at a faster pace. And even in Southern California, where they went down a little bit from where they were um, the week before last, it's still um, a much, much slower pace of decline. And so we don't want to over-celebrate that, obviously. <laughs> and I would say, Oscar, don't don't uh, pop the champagne quite yet. Yet. But, yet. But it is a good sign to see that, that, that things are at least, um, if not totally stabilizing, that the decline is decelerating, right? 
that's the best we can hope for for now. I know, I mean, we, we've got to be realistic, obviously. I mean, with everyone, you know, staying at home and, you know, sheltering right. in place, we have to be realistic. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, some people might figure it out. You know, we're seeing more virtual tours. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that later. Yep. But people are doing things more virtually, which is a good thing. Uh, but the other side of it is the supply side, right? Right, absolutely. And that's always the critical factor. And there we're seeing much the same thing with similar orders of magnitude on the declines across the state uh, from where we were in early March. But again, uh, finding some of that kind of bouncing around the bottom over at least the last two to to three weeks where we're at these much reduced levels, but it doesn't seem like they're they're dropping by by faster and faster amounts each week. Yeah, I mean, we have already dropped by about, what, 30, 40% already. Yep. Um, this level that we're seeing right now um, also might be some of the reasons why we, have, we are seeing some support in terms of home prices. Right. Absolutely. And again, when you have uh, listings that are going down by, by more than sales, it actually means that the market is still tight, right? And you see that just in our straight up, um, you know, survey results when you ask about, um, you know, what consumers feel like about the housing market. We've always had, or for the last year and a half or so, we've had pretty low numbers when we ask buyers if it's a good time to buy or if we ask Californians if it's uh -huh. a good time to buy a home. Um, that number hasn't changed much. So in March, it was 29%. And in the April numbers, it was 28% of Californians actually thought it was a good time to buy. But where we really see movement <laughs> is that kind of, you know, in even before the, the coronavirus, almost 60% of Californians thought it was a, a good time to sell. And in the most recent data, we were down below 30%. Wow, that's a significant drop. And so that kind of is what I think underscores the tightness of, of the market, right? But, and we see that there's still a lot of uh, trepidation on the sell side. Yeah, I mean, we, I think this is one the consumer survey that you uh, alerted to. That those are just one statistics. We have other uh, statistics uh, from our members as well, right. saying that their clients are also holding back. In fact, you know, not a small number. I mean, early March, it was a relatively small number of uh, below 50%, but that has ballooned up to almost 80% now, saying that they're holding back on selling for now because, yeah. because specifically for the coronavirus. Yeah, and that's that's fresh out the press, and it's been basically eighty percent for the last uh, last couple of weeks. Yeah, and what did they do when they're not when they're holding back? Some of them were actually removing the properties or the listings from the market. Yeah, um, over half of them, in fact, you know, uh, uh, moved it uh, from the market. Uh, as compared to early March, was only what 14, 13, 14 percent. Yeah, exactly. So now we're at more than half of realtors that we talked to over the weekend. And actually, it's been more than half for the last two weeks in a row, both uh, reporting that that they, uh, you know, had had sellers actually pulling down. So but at the same time, buyers actually think a little differently, though. Well, yeah. So and that's <laughs> going to be the big challenge going forward, because for the last two weeks, we've been asking, have buyers been expecting lower prices? And 90% of realtors report that yes, um, you know, buyers are, are again, expecting those lower prices. And so again, I think that there's a lot of that psychological scar tissue left over from 2008, where people just equate recessions with 40% price drops. And in fact, um, you know, a third of realtors said that buyers actually are trying to renegotiate during the right, escrow right. process right now. And so 
um, you know, I think that that is, is going to be a challenge because as you mentioned, we're not seeing a lot of discounting in the MLS data and realtors aren't really reporting a lot of uh, discounting when we ask them in the weekly survey data. So, Right. I mean, of course, uh, you mentioned earlier, there might be, we'll probably see some softening in price, but as of now, you know, sellers are holding tight a little bit. Most sellers are holding tight. I mean, I'm sure some sellers who are, who really need to sell, they might, you know, budge a little bit, but most sellers are holding back. So we will definitely uh, uh, keep an eye on that because the, the environment remains, you know, relatively tough. We're still seeing the rising unemployment, the declines in consumer spending. We haven't um, been able to ease back on, on the shelter in place. And so overall, I think that the data is just finally starting to catch up with the reality that we've been living through for the last four or five weeks. And, and although there's some glimmers of hope, um, out there in terms of, you know, mortgage applications and the deceleration and unemployment and the declines in listings and pendings that we still have, you know, a, a good um, six to eight weeks of, of rough road ahead of us, I think, I at the minimum. So uh, we'll continue to update update our, our members, right, Oscar, every couple of weeks as new information comes out? Absolutely. We'll be collecting you know, consumer data as well as member survey data. We'll, we'll be collecting our MLS data. And uh, in the next couple, in a uh, couple weeks or so, we will definitely give you guys another update. So uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and leave that one there. Thank you so much for tuning in for another Housing Matters podcast. We'll see you next time. All right, stay safe and healthy. See ya. 